Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. So seven years ago, my guest today published what has become an underground hit on masculinity. His name is Jack Donovan, and that book was The Way of Men. I had Jack on the podcast a few years ago to discuss that book. Check it out if you haven't listened to it yet. Uh, Anyways, in The Way of Men, Donovan argued that for men to really live what he calls the tactical virtues of masculinity, they needed to form an all-male honor group, or what he calls a gang. In his latest book, Becoming a Barbarian, Donovan lays out what creating these honor groups would look like. And on today's show, Jack and I discuss why masculinity is often tragic, why today's modern world makes it hard for men to form male honor groups, the difference between a club and a tribe, and what it means to start the world. After the show is over, check out the show notes at aom.is barbarian, where you can get uh, links and resources to delve deeper into this topic. Jack Donovan, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, man. All right, so uh, your last book was The Way of Men, which has kind of become this underground cult classic among men. Um, so what, what's what been the reaction to that book? And um, I mean, what kind of guys are reading it? And what are the responses you're getting from them? Well, uh, the reaction to the book, I mean, I, I never imagined when I wrote it that, you know, I'd end up selling i think i've probably sold about fifty thousand copies uh worldwide that's insane dude yeah 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 i mean it's been translated into portuguese and french uh, it just came out in deutschland uh <laughs> this uh this uh, past month and uh yeah i mean it's 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 blown me away and uh and i think the reaction that i get is that the way of men put something you know in a way that uh a lot of men had always felt but couldn't articulate and uh, I get that over and over again. It's like uh, I get these guys who, uh, you know, they're like, they're like, oh, I, I thought I was the only one who was, who was seeing things this way or th- who thought it this way. And, uh, you know, I, this is the first time I've actually read it. Uh, you know, I've always just assumed that, you know, people who were writing were saying one thing and I was thinking a different thing. And so a lot of people have really uh, latched into it. I have, you know, guys... I think the most thing that honors me the most is, is you know, when guys uh, buy copies for their sons that were just born right. and uh, I'm going to give this to him when he's 13, you know, and uh, that's, that's pretty amazing. That, that blows me away. And, uh, it, you know, I've, I've also had a, a lot of interest, you know, I mean, there, there's some guys who, you know, obviously the people who react negative to negatively to it, um, you know, they, a lot of, a lot of them will think that I'm, I'm some kind of, uh, uh, that I think I'm the ultimate man that I'm trying to, uh, uh, you know, tell them how, how to be men. And, and, you know, and I, I haven't gotten a lot of that, but the people who think that obviously haven't read the introduction because I kind of say right away, uh, that, that that's not what I'm about, but the guys who get it, um, it's really cool. Uh, I, I, I have a lot of guys that I always say my readers are better than me and not all of them, but, <laughs> uh, I have a lot of readers who, who are really accomplished guys, uh, you know, special forces guys, um, a lot of them, uh, you know, people who have, you know, been successful in business and, and, uh, and, you know, or lifting or whatever. And they, they contact me and they realize that I'm just a guy who was trying to figure something out and they contact me and they want to share their skills with me and, and, uh, hang out. And that's, that's really cool. Uh, that's really exciting. Yeah. So you've been doing a lot of like tactical training and things like that, right? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. I have uh, I did some some long range shooting uh, uh, with Leopold Optics uh, uh, last last weekend, and uh, that was that was I, I didn't think I would like that, and I, I uh, it was really fun. <laughs> so uh, you know that was pretty exciting, and uh, you know I, you know doing some uh, gun stuff with my guy Greg up in Seattle uh, Insights, and. Uh, you know, there have been more and more opportunities like that opening up. So that's really exciting. That is really cool. And have, have you know? Do you know if your book's been picked up by like, by any gender studies programs? Like your book, like ranks high in that that segment on Amazon. It's kind of funny, which means that they know who I am. <laughs> but uh, and I think that it actually has been uh, part of some curriculums. I mean, I, every once in a while, I hear that someone's teaching it in a class. I know it's in some libraries and and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, I don't get a lot of uh, notification about stuff like that. Right. So, yeah, I was curious. I mean, because it is sort of, I mean, it, it is uh, uh, like, I mean, it's up there with some of those, you know, books about masculinity that, because there aren't really a lot of books about masculinity in the gender studies area, or if there are, they're coming from like a, a feminist standpoint. Yeah. It's um, like you and me and Iron John. It's like the only Amazon right. ranking thing, right? It's yeah. like you and me and Iron John. And uh, uh, maybe you know, Harvey like Mansfield's manliness every mm. once in a while. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's something like that. And then, it, you know, it's then it's, you know, more like, uh, you know, like feminist books. Femin- so yeah. it's, it's just like we're up at the top there. And, and weirdly, uh, Hunter S. Thompson's uh, uh, book on the Hell's Angels is in there for some reason. But uh, uh, yeah, I guess that kind yeah. of makes sense. It's a gang, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes it dynamic. makes sense. It's just kind of funny that it was categorized that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you see style. You're, like I, sometimes I see how my book is categorized, and it's it's bizarre. So you find my <laughs> books in like the, the like the trivia section. Which, but um, all right. So let's talk about your new book. Uh, how be, uh, it's called Becoming a Barbarian. How is this a continuation of your work in the Way of Men? All right. Well, it, obviously, at the end of the Way of Men. Uh, it says that men should, uh, you know, start a gang or start a tribe. And, uh, you know, a lot of, obviously the response that I was getting from that was how, what do I do? You know, like, uh, you know, they want to, they want to, you know, this kind of perfect guaranteed plan. And, uh, and I'm like, well, t- to begin with, if you, you know, from what I've learned actually, uh, you know, kind of joining a tribe on my own is that, uh, you know, if you want a perfect plan that's guaranteed to work, you probably aren't the guy who should be running the tribe. Uh, because you know it's a it's a creative enterprise. You 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 know, you have to make it up as you go along, and uh, you know obviously there's some basic rules. You know we we borrowed a lot of structures for our tribe uh, from from motorcycle clubs, uh, just because they've been working for years and years and years. Uh, but you know what I also found is that people said they wanted to join a cl- uh, join a uh, you know tribe or a gang, but they weren't ready. Like psychologically, they weren't ready. And I thought that was more important for me to talk about because I, you know, I, I have no experience running a tribe for like 20 years. I mean, that's the guy who should write a book on how to run a tribe. Uh, but uh, in terms of the, the changes of the mind that have to happen to become part of a tribe instead of just a club, you know, I mean, I think people were confusing tribe and gang and club, you know, but I think when it comes to being part of a tribe, uh, it means that you have a shared fate. And you have this honor group that you can't turn away from when you don't like what they're saying. You know, you still have to deal with them and you still have to uh, live up to their expectations. And, and that's the kind of tribe I was, or the kind of gang that I was suggesting that people start. Uh, this one that you can't just be like, ah, this isn't working out you yeah, know, and, yeah. and walk away, you know? And so I, I don't think that the you know, men were ready to really, uh, break away from, from modern life it, it, to the extent that they could really give themselves a hundred percent to a group. Right. We'll talk about that mindset shift change that needs to take place. We've written a lot about it on our site about, uh, you know, this community mindset that I think a lot of people, uh, particularly in America have lost. Um, let's start off with this. You start off the chapter, um, in your book, Becoming the Barbarian, uh, that masculinity is tragic, which I thought was interesting. What do you mean by that? And um, why does masculinity require conflict? Well, you know, I I had a young guy write me and and, uh, he said that that chapter was really depressing. And uh, and I'm like, well, you know, life is kind of depressing. If you you look at it in a certain way, Uh, you know, I mean, we're born and we get all these skills and we get better at everything. And then we all start to fall apart and die. And that's pretty depressing. 
But uh, and the same thing is true of masculinity. I mean, life is tragic in that way, and masculinity is also tragic. Uh, but you know, because you know, you strive to become a man and eventually you're not going to be as good at all these things that you, you know, these skills that you acquired. I mean, you become a great fighter and eventually you're not going to be a great fighter. You become a great race car driver and eventually you're going to crash one too many times. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, there's an end to it. And that's what I think is depressing to a lot of people because, you know, you you do all this work and eventually it all falls apart. Or it's also depressing because maybe you don't get to be the top guy. And most people never will. Most guys will never be at the top of the uh, the food chain as in any group of men. And uh, so that's kind of depressing as well. And so, you know, just as, as in with life, I mean, uh, obviously you're here for, you know, a short period of time and it becomes what you make of it. And so, you, you know, you want to be the best man that you can be. And without conflict, you know, you're, I always say your, your life is a story where nothing happened. Um, because you know every you can't have a plot without conflict. That's we it's a show that would no one would watch, and uh, you know and conflict allows men. You know that's how, that's how we test each other, and without that testing, if we're always safe, uh, if we're always you know protected from each other, then uh, you know we can't really grow as men. I mean that's 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 how we become the kind of men that we're all saying, you know, are, 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 you know, gone from this earth or there, there are fewer of them or, you know, masculinity is, 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 uh, you know, our, our generations are, are weaker than the ones that came before. And, and, you know, there's a, because we've eliminated conflict and, uh, you know, I actually, I think you may have even recommended it to me, but, uh, I just got around to, to listening to some of the audio book of that, uh, book, uh, by Taleb, Antifragile. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, again, it's, it's, it's a lot of the same ideas. Uh, you know, if, you know, if you deal with conflict all the time and you learn how to, you know, operate within some kind of chaos, then you're going to become maybe more resilient, maybe more robust and possibly even more anti-fragile. But if you are constantly protected, you are, you are reliant on that protection. Right. And also, I mean, you've written about this too, and we've written about it too, and sort of this is based in, you know, uh, sociology, psychology, evolutionary biology, that one of the defining traits of males across species, particularly, you know, our close primate relatives, is that the way the males differentiate themselves is conflict. Like they, within the, the group, right, there's sort of this inter- intra-tribal or intra-group uh, competition, but then there's also competition or conflict between competing groups and that's like how you create an individual or at least for males that's what that's what they sort of create their psyche around absolutely yeah and then um i think so there's this great book if you haven't read it yet check it out is um fighting for life uh it's mm-hmm. written by this jesuit priest who's like a philosopher philosophy professor and it's all about like this male competitive drive and he he has made this really interesting point he gets kind of freudian which can get goofy sometimes but like the male men males at least or boys have like they're in conflict from the day they're born like they're inside a woman and they have to like battle the estrogen that might be you know trying to make them more womanlike and then once they're outside of the womb they have to like differentiate themselves and separate themselves from their mother and like girls don't have to do that right like they can identify oh, yeah, yeah with i mean they always say like women are always you're always a woman you know like man, manhood is something that you have to earn like women just kind of ha- womanhood kind of happens and no one says you're not a woman because you don't do this or this i mean i mean there are some reasons why you might not be but uh uh that you know they're mostly chemical in nature but uh yeah i mean it, it's that that definitely does sound uh uh, pretty Freudian, yeah. but uh, and I I actually use Freud in this book as well. I mean, he he, he it, it's just a model, and if you don't get crazy where everything's about your mother, then then <laughs> then it's all right. Right, yeah, uh, nothing about your mother, your dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but uh, you know, I mean, uh, I use him for the model of uh, you know uh, this you know the self uh, schema or whatever. Uh, you know, the, the uh, there's a great model called the iceberg. I think uh, about like you know super ego and and ego and id and and I think that you know what's so below the consciousness and what's above it, and uh, you know what makes you you. And I think some of he was right about a lot of that. Right. So, uh, you know, you, you argue in the way of men, and this is what becoming a barbarian is about, is that manliness, you know, to fully express masculinity requires a group of guys. It requires a tribe, gang, platoon, posse, whatever you want to call it. Um, 
But I think, you know, us modern Americans take pride in our hyper-individualism. I think there's a tendency in a lot of men today saying that, you know, joining a group is for suckers, it's for sheeple, and like a real man is like the lone alpha wolf who does his thing. Um, so why is it not possible to like fully experience masculinity by yourself and you need to be embedded in, in a group of men? Well, I mean, I guess you could, ex- I was, I was going to say you could experience, but no, I actually don't think you can. Uh, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, like I said, uh, we need that competition, that feedback from other men. I mean, uh, if you're the, the lone guy off on your own forever, um, I mean, there's part of your experience that's missing because humans are not solitary animals. Uh, we are social animals and uh, masculinity is a social phenomenon to a certain degree. And, uh, you know, but, uh, and, and as far as Americans and individualism goes, I mean, man, that, that was my favorite chapter in that book. <laughs> uh, that's the one that I got most excited about, uh, that, that belonging is becoming, uh, just because there's so many guys who, who think they're so special and, uh, they're not. Yeah. And they they think that their, their, their opinion is so important and you see them arguing on the internet and, you know, like, uh, you know, their, their individual opinion is, is, you know, they'll live and die by it and they cannot join a group because there's some little detail that they can find, uh, that, 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 that they, you know, wouldn't want to agree with, or they want to reserve their right to disagree. And so they're alone is, is the, the, the consequence of that is that they're just alone. And, uh, you know, yeah, I was talking to a guy the other day, obviously I'm not going to mention his name, but he, uh, he, uh, said that, we were talking about our, you know, a lot of guys talk about your bury a body buddy, you know, like who are you going to call when you have to do something that maybe involves breaking the law or that you maybe, you know, that involves something that, uh, it was way beyond what you can handle by yourself. And, uh, you know, he, he was like, you know, this guy who was, I was talking about with, uh, he, he was pretty squared away. Uh, you know, he was, a uh, you know, pretty advanced in the military and probably had killed a lot of people and had a lot of, a lot of survival skills. But uh, at the end of the day, I mean, he's still concerned about who am I going to call? And a lot of guys, you know, they think, you know, they far less skilled than him think, Oh, well I can, I can handle anything that comes my way. But at the end of the day, you can't. And uh, so when you can't, you depend on the government. Uh, and that's why, you know, we, you know, again, comes back to the anti-fragile thing. Like, People try and create more and more and more and more and more security for themselves, uh, but it's it's a security that's a dependent security, and they you know they're they're relying on the state to jump in and be their best friend uh, when something goes wrong. And I think that uh, you know so you know as individualist as these guys think that they are, and you know maybe if you're you're a billionaire you just hire a lot of people to do that work for you, but uh, most of us aren't, and uh, so we need friends. And uh, I think that uh, having relationships with other men is a rich part of our lives that, that uh, we're missing. And, yeah, I mean, men understand each other in, way that, in ways that men and women don't. And, uh, you know, and in many ways, I think a lot of those guys who end up loners end up having themselves defined by women uh, because, you know, that's the mo- ends up being the most important person in their life and they're in their best friend and their only best friend. And so, you know, their masculinity becomes defined by her. And so, you know, I, I think that's a very Hollywood idea. It's just kind of, you know, this rolling tumbleweed of, of uh, violence and judgment, you know, that comes from Clint Eastwood movies that, you know, the real man is a loner all by himself. But in reality, the real man gets picked off really easily. Right, right. And like, yeah, you know, I remember people say like, I'm the alpha or I'm the lone wolf. It's like, you do know the lone wolves are the ones who got kicked out of the pack. Like They were like, <laughs> they were the runs that no one want, like the wolves didn't want. Yeah, yeah. You're like this guy that can't get along with anyone. It's not 90% of the time, that's that's the case. It's like the the lone wolf is the guy who just can't get along with anyone. He's kind of a jerk, you know? Yeah. And then, I mean, so this idea of be, belonging is becoming... I mean, so how can group affiliation, you know, belonging to a tightly knit community or tribe, whatever you want to call it, um, can make you a more interesting individual? Well, I just think it it fills out. You know yourself more because you've been tested in different ways and people have demanded things from you. Because, you know, if you're just demanding things of yourself, I mean, you know, I, I try and push myself all the time. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, ways that I'm only... Yeah, I'm the only one driving myself. Uh, no one really cares what I do. But, uh, you know, having these other guys, uh, you know, to, to answer to, 
I think, uh, you know, really kind of enriches your life. Uh, you know, I uh, say, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm oathed into a tribe and, you know, I, I have to think about what, you know, how my actions are going to affect all those guys and what they would think of what I'm doing. And that's kind of the basis of where honor comes from. And, uh, you know, if I, if I can't answer to them, maybe I shouldn't do it. And, uh, you know, they, people call that group think, but, you know, let's, I think that's, again human nature and I, I i think that people who think they don't engage in group think i can see them online engaging in group think all the time right <laughs> so, right right yeah i mean no no one's really that you know immune from that they just kind of like flatter themselves by saying that they are yeah uh, yeah i think it's interesting too um i came across it like right before the interview i came across this study about you know everyone trying to be an individual right? They did a mm-hmm. sociological study. Everyone who tries to be individual, unique, butterfly, whatever, like it actually ends up creating this like just monoculture of just uniqueness that like, there's like no really, dif- no, nothing different between anybody because everyone's trying to be unique. So everyone is the same. Well, it's, and it, yeah, it's very, it becomes very consumer based as well. Like, uh, you're not really separate from this monoculture because you're all in it and you're all alone. <laughs> so how do you differentiate yourself? Well, you buy things. You know, you buy, you know, like what, uh, you know, what the you know, hat is the best hat for me. What is, you know, what uh, band, oh, it's, it's always bands. It's, it's yeah. people, it's, you know, people, it's like what kind of music your life, you know, it, you know, says something about you as a person. Uh, and, uh, you know, they define themselves in these, you know, kind of superficial ways that, uh, you know, that are easy to change. You know, if they come up against resistance, then, you know. And I'm like, eh, I don't like that anymore. Or I was, I was just kidding. That's kind of like the modern kind of hipster way of looking at everything. You know, like, uh, you know, if, if, if you like something that other people don't like, then you can always fall back on the idea that you were just kidding and you weren't really serious. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just a cowardly way of living. Yeah. I mean, I think like, like Amish people, like an Amish person would be more interesting to me than some just regular guy, you know, who's just, you know, buying consumer stuff, trying to differentiate yourself. Like I would like be more interested in like sitting down and talking to an Amish guy about his life. Oh yeah. I mean, cause they have a distinct and different culture. They just, they didn't just make different consumer choices. You know, <laughs> they have a whole life that is different. So let's talk about this. I mean, so tribe is the goal, but it seems like, and this is what a lot of what you write about in the book is that modernity makes it difficult for men, women, I mean, everyone to be a part right. of a tribe or a community. So what is it about modernity that makes that difficult? Well, I mean, uh, to begin with, we're very separate from each other. I mean, uh, in the way that it's, or- the way we make money is organized. I mean, it, we're not uh, 10 farmers living within like a few miles of each other. Uh, because that, that the community kind of forms itself, you know, at that point. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're a bunch of people who, you know, you're together until your career takes you to this place, your career takes you to that place, or, you know, and the, you all spend more time at work than you spend with anyone else. And uh, so it makes it hard. I mean, it's, it's hard to have friends in, in modern life, let alone a tribe. Uh, you know, it's hard to make time for the people you really like in your life. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's a, you actually have to go out of your way to do it. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things that we look for in our group. It's like, are you, are you willing to like give up something so that you can be here? Because if you're not, then we, we, we're not going to waste your time. But, uh, you know, and then there's so many distractions. Uh, another, another reader actually sent me a book called deep work and it talked a lot about the distractions of, you know, social media and everything. Everybody's constantly in the state of distraction and they don't know how to focus or, or, you know, you know, locked down on anything anymore but uh you know yeah just and the world is very anti-tribal as well i mean uh you know everything you know if you google the word tribalism it's basically negative it's kind of like masculinity it's mostly about toxic tribalism and bad bad tribalism and they don't use the word that much in america they're using it a little bit more in terms of politics you know the way that americans are divided but uh, and, and just rapidly divided, and you know, I think that that's just human nature, and that's normal. But uh, you know, they, they think that you know, no matter how big the group is, we're all supposed to learn to love each other. And uh, you know, people who think tribally don't think that way. They think my group is my group, and your group is your group, and we can get along until we don't. And uh, you know, that's I think globalism makes that that uh, that's something that really uh, people who are in favor of globalism and big business and so forth. Uh, don't want because it's a problem you know it creates disruption in the system if you have groups that cannot work together 
Um, you can't, you have problems, you know, with your government, with your, uh, you know, employee relations, you have problems with your entire system is, you know, you have people within it that are kind of at odds with each other. And uh, it would be much better for everybody if we were all just kind of loners who think we're individualists. And, uh, you know, then we can just buy things and then that'll be much easier for everyone. I mean, uh, you know, like the United Nations is, is against tribalism. It's a, it's a big thing. You know, I mean, every the, the goal has been for a long time to turn everything into these bigger and bigger and bigger groups. And that really, to my mind, is not as idealistic as, as it is to facilitate commerce. Right, right. I mean, like, yeah, whenever you make people everyone think like they're the same, like it makes it easier to sell to, right? Like you're actually, oh, easier, you're, yeah. yeah, you're like more control. Actually, we had a, a guy, uh, Matthew Crawford, who right, right. he got his new book. He did his shop class at Soulcraft, and, but he got a new book about the world beyond your head. And he talks about that, like sort of these things that make us feel like we have more control, right? Like companies want us to make us feel like we're individuals. Like it allows them to control us easier. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Cause it's just, you're, they're just dealing with the individual who, yeah, is not connected with anyone else and they don't have really a culture or like a identity. Um, and so they can like, Hey, I can sell you this. I can sell you your identity and here you go. Oh yeah. That's, that's most of what they do. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, like, how do you, so how do you counter that? I mean, that, that, I mean, it basically does it, it takes relearning how to live in a way that, you know, humans have lived for most of humanity. Like, how do you go about learning and overcoming that, um, sort of culture that we have that says, no, that's not, that's not the best way to do it. Well, obviously to begin with, you have to want to, and, uh, you know, most people don't because it's hard, you know, and nobody wants to be different and they want to be different in a way that's like cute. And like, you know, like I said, they can back away from, but I mean, that's, that's why the book was really called becoming a barbarian is because you have to understand that you're doing something that society doesn't want and you have to make peace with it. Uh, you know, uh, this is civilization means civilization is anti-tribal, like the civilization we have right now. It is anti-tribal. And so by becoming more tribal, you're going to say things and live in a way that makes people uncomfortable and they may even hate you for it. And uh, you have to be wearing a, you know, the, the, the slogan for the book is a capucha at lupinum, which is, uh, you know, with the head of a wolf, uh, you have to realize that you're an outsider to them. You're an insider to your own tribe, but you're going to be an outsider to them. And uh, so that's, you know, something people have to make peace with uh, to do that. Uh, but, you know, in order to do it, I mean, that's kind of what the whole book is about, going through this thought process of, of, uh, of breaking away and thinking about things in, in a group sense instead of the global group. Uh, we're all taught, to, you know, that we're supposed to care about everything that happens everywhere. And humans really can't. So I, I feel like it's very media directed and very fake, uh, you know, say, you know, like they, do you really care about this disaster that happened to these strangers 40,000, you know, 50 miles away or, or 50, you know, 5,000 miles away? Uh, probably not. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're kind of trained to feel bad about that in the way that we feel bad for, you know, in watching a movie. But, uh, you know, people, you know, worse things are probably happening next door to you to, to people that you don't, you know, that uh, you, you don't know or care about because you don't know. It's like the media tells you to care. So you care. Yeah. And I think that's one of the first things is kind of breaking away from that cycle of like what everyone is caring about today. I have to care about. And it's actually made it hard for me to write anymore <laughs> because uh, I have done that. And uh, I, like I actually took a six month break from Facebook where I kind of gave my password and everything to one of my uh, buddies and uh, he kind of acted as my assistant for a while. And, uh, you know, when I came back to it, uh, it, it was amazing to me, you know, like because I had been in that cycle, I mean, in my entire writing career. Of, of looking at what everybody's talking about today and that's what we're going to get angry about and that's what we're going to comment on and, and all that. And, uh, you know, now that I've just been thinking about my friends and my tribe and my people, uh, when I come back and look at them, I, I see guys who are really smart and really accomplished and, and I'm just watching them sucked up in that same cycle. Like, this is what we're going to talk about today. And they're, they're, you know that they're emotionally angry about this thing that someone told them to be angry about and uh, things that they have no control over. And, uh, you know, I think that's one of the biggest challenges is to, to separate yourself from that and uh, bring it back and, you know, care more about the people who are close to you and the people who are in your tribe and 
you know, say, you know, I, I don't really care about that avalanche, you know, for strangers. And a lot of people that, that makes you sound like a bad person. Um, but you know, they don't care about lots of things they don't know about, you know, but they, they you know, they, if you don't care about the thing of the day, then you're a bad person. And, uh, so, I mean, I think that's, you know, that you're going to face resistance when you, when you talk about things with people or, you know, you can just kind of you know nod your head. I think that's what I do a lot of the time right. in those kind of situations, but, uh, okay. Yeah, sure. Uh, but, uh, I think that's, you know, one of the biggest parts is to separate yourself from that, that cycle where you are reacting constantly to all these messages right? and, uh, you know, react to your own world. And, uh, that's, that's, that's hard for people to do, but it's, it's kind of the most important thing. And you have to really, another thing I talk about in the book is, is you have to f- figure out who your, we is like who your group is, because most people you know, they say we, they speak really broadly in these broad democratic American terms of, well, we should do this and we should do that. But those we's don't care about you. Uh, you know, they care about you only in the most superficial way. And, uh, you know, like, so, you know, your we should be people who actually care about your opinion and what you, and care about your survival and care about what happens to you. Uh, you know, and you need to, if, if you don't know who those people are, uh, you know, you need to find some friends. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I think the, the insidious thing, like especially with social media, is like people do this. They see these things happen, they get outraged, and like they they're commenting. They they feel like they're doing something, right? Yeah. It's like they're commenting. I'm leaving this comment. I'm, you know, erasing it. But like they're not. I mean, if you think like they're not really doing anything. No, no, no. They're just they're literally emoting. Like they they're emoting on command because uh, they aren't changing anything. No one cares what they say. And, uh, I mean, yeah, it's like they'll get someone else to react to what they said. But, you know, even if that's like 5,000 people, it's still kind of a drop in the bucket. (laughs) You know, it doesn't really matter. It's not going to change the world. Um, So just, you know, stop reacting to those things. Yeah. And it's like wasted energy. Like you're getting angry and it's like you're wasting, like emotions are like what drives us to like actually take action. And you're wasting that, that, that energy on nothing. Yeah. I mean, that's the point I make in the book is actually like caring is a resource. You can only care about so much. So you really need to be selective about what you care about because you, you know, you're just, you should be caring about other things, you know, and that's, you know, the time you spent caring about that thing that doesn't matter is time that you could be giving to people who are going to give something back to you. Wedding season is coming up. And if you are preparing for the big day, I know wedding planning can be really intimidating, but finding the perfect suit shouldn't be. Indochino makes it easy to get a fully customizable suit right from your home. Don't just wear any suit on your big day. Wear a custom made-to-measure suit. Suits start at just $499, which is about the same price you'd pay for an off-the-rack suit at a department store. And they've also got custom made-to-measure shirts starting at just $89. So I've talked about my Indochino suit on the podcast before. They've been a longtime podcast sponsor. It's navy blue. The measuring process was super easy. They got these video guides you follow. You'll need another set of hands to help you out with that. But the really fun part is customizing it. Got to customize how I wanted the lapels on the jacket, the pockets, the lining. I went no pleats on the pants on this suit. A lot of fun. And then in a few weeks, you have a made-to-measure custom suit sent directly to your door. When planning your wedding, get a suit as unique as you with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use code MANLINESS to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code MANLINESS. All right, if you have a family, then you need to get term life insurance to protect them. It's one of the smartest financial decisions you can make, and the start of the new year is the perfect time to get it done so you can focus on whatever else the year has in store for you. Fabric by Gerber Life was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. There's no risk to apply. They have a 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can cancel at any time. I remember when I was a new dad, I had a lot of thoughts going through my head. One of them was, how can I take care of my family? when I'm gone, if something happens to me. Well, it's so one of the first things I did. I got term life insurance, one of the best decisions I made. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash manliness. That's meetfabric.com slash manliness. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash manliness. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. 
Daylight saving time is starting up again. The goal of this is to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting our clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There is only one way to do that. ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com manliness. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to help you find qualified candidates. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you can reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Picture that thing you've always wanted to learn. All right, you got that in your head? Now picture learning it from the person who's literally the best at it in the world. That's what you get with Masterclass. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors, and many of these instructors are former AOM podcast guests. You can learn negotiation from Chris Voss, leadership skills from Jocko Willink, how to master your habits with James Clear. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. So recently, I went through the Masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. A lot of useful information in there. Talked about the value of knowing a negotiation, how to use your body language and speech patterns to get your best out of a negotiation. Very well done. I really enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. Right now, listeners of our podcast can get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash AOM. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash AOM. Masterclass.com slash AOM. Check out the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. Right. Yeah, there was a great essay we republished on the site. And it said, like, when these th- sort of things happen, you read in the newspaper, it was published by God, the guy who was like the founder of psychology, James, William James. You know, if you see these events in the newspaper, like a ship sinks or this travesty, like, it's okay to feel like sad or upset, right? Because that's human. But like, go do something with that. Like find someone nearby, like that, you know, and actually take that and like do something there, like in your, your locus of control. So you don't waste that emotion. And I always, I thought that was a really good idea. So now whenever like something, I see something happens that kind of tinges me and like makes me feel bad. Like I'll try to do something constructive where I'm at. It might not even be related to the tragedy, but like, it might be, I'm going to go check in on my neighbor. I'm going to go call, you know, someone who needs to be called or whatever. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a, that's a good, uh, good way to go. Um, so with this idea of tribe, um, you know, online, you see people saying, Hey, join my online tribe is, is, is tribe possible online or do you need to be face to face? (laughs) Join my secret tribe. What are you a cop? Right, right, right. Uh, But, uh, yeah, no, uh, it's, you know, cause you can't, you don't know those people. You can't trust them. I mean, uh, you know, if if you are really going to be tribe with somebody, I mean, they know you. They know who you are. They they know, uh, you know, that's what friendship is, right? I mean, you, you it's a certain level of vulnerability that, uh, you know, they've, they've you know, seen you in the good times and the bad times and then uh, you guys have history. And, uh, you know, well, you, they can see your good and bad, you know, Facebook status updates and you could have deep conversations about things. I mean, there's a difference between a, a person-to-person relationship and a, and a uh, uh you know, an online relationship because we can kind of be whoever we want to be online. You know, I mean, I know a lot of guys, a lot of guys, actually a lot younger guys are brilliantly funny online. They are great. They are on point. They make me laugh and they're funny. And then they're much quieter in person, you know, and I'm the same way to a certain extent. I mean, uh, I've spent a lot of time online. I'm a writer, but you know, I'm a little bit more, you know, calm and reserved in person. And, uh, you know, it, it, so, you know, it, your friend knows that, you know, they know that there's more than one side of you, but, uh, you know, online people only know that one side of you. Um, and you know, you can start, you know, obviously like the people that I, some of the people that I'm both to, I only have know about because I've been online and, uh, you know, and met them online and contacted them because, uh, you know, the online world is a great way to find people who have similar interests to you. 
and uh, and to get you know kind of put a flag out there and say, but to, you know you can't really consider them a tribe. They're not really your friends until you actually know them in person. I mean, I, I, a good example that I've seen uh, there's this, uh, it used to be Arthur's Hall of Viking uh, manliness. Yeah, I remember that site. Yeah, yeah, and then and then there's a group of uh, guys that can, kind of kept it going. Uh, it's called the Hall of Manly Excellence, and those guys, I mean, they've been on forums together for so long that they actually have their own culture. You know, they, they have their own jokes. They have, you know, they they I, I've hung out with them in person because they eventually they do get together in person. You know, and, and a lot of those guys, have, you know, met up and hung out in person, and they 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 have, you know, in the way that you with your old friend, you'll be like, remember this time that blah 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 blah. Well, they're talking about something that happened online, but, uh, you know, it's like the shared experience that they all have to talk about. And they have this kind of shared culture and these, you know, almost like, you know, shared words and slangs and, and things. And, and, you know, that's really cool that, that, you know, that that's, you know, the level to which culture can be created in you know, online is pretty amazing. But it, I, I think it, until it really reaches the in-person level, it's, you know, all it kind of subject to, to that real life interaction because, you know, again, like I said, you can meet a guy who's really, really cool, um, you know, online and, you know, you find out he's a jerk in real life or, or he, he's a mess. His life isn't together at all. And, you know, he's, you know, he's got all these other issues that, you know, he's kind of hidden in the background online. Uh, you know, so, you know, I think that, uh, to really know someone, I think you have to spend time with them in person and yeah. that takes a lot of hard work. And the online thing, like it's easy to step out, right? You can say, I belong to this group, but like you can just go silent for a week, two weeks and oh, yeah. no one's going to yeah, care. And, and again, I think, you know, that's, that's the thing with tribes. It all, all comes back to a shared fate. And uh, if, you know, if you can't step out, if you really have to answer to that person, uh, and that's why you know, I'll probably write something about this at some point. If one of my, my guys from my tribe doesn't beat me to it, uh, he's uh, my uh, uh, buddy Paul Wagner has been putting out a lot of great uh, YouTube videos about the uh, tribe, and he's been running our tribe for ten years, you know, with it with his brother. So, uh, you know, he he knows a lot about it, and uh, he's had to deal with a lot of this stuff. And uh, you know, I think uh, one of the things that really made a difference for me personally is the oath. Uh, you know, if you take an oath to something, you have to deal with that. And, and in many ways, my writing has been a series of oaths because, uh, you know, I have to kind of stand by my words. I can't be, uh, you know, I, I'm like, well, I said this is what people should do. So now I actually have to do it. And uh, sometimes that sucks. And I, so I kind of hold myself accountable to things that I've written. And in the same way, like an oath is, uh, you know, you have uh, men are men are pretty good at, at realizing that you know, I said this thing. So I kind of have to stand by it or figure out a way that I, I don't have to. And uh uh, you know, I think, uh, there's a bunch, if there's a bunch of guys who are going to uh, hold you accountable to that oath, that's a big difference from kind of this kind of, uh, uh, superficial transient relationship that a lot of people have, where they're just kind of, they go in and out of social circles, whether online or in real life. I mean, people always say, oh, I have my mom boys, I have my buddies and whatever. It's like, eh, you, you know, are they really going to be there for you? I mean, yeah, you, you're, that's your drinking buddy or that's your watching sports buddy or whatever. But, uh, you know, they can back out because they don't have a reason why they can't. Yeah, yeah. And I think the oath is a, is a good reason why they can't. I mean, I've, I've already been called into some situations that I was like, I would not be in by choice. But, uh, you know, it's like, well, I said I was going to be there, so I'm there. You're there. Yeah, that's some, that's some heavy stuff. Yeah. Um, so, you know, throughout the book, you call uh, modern culture the empire of nothing, which sounds completely, I guess, is why the, the guy who said this book is depressing one of the reasons why he probably says depressing. So why do you call modern culture an empire of nothing? Uh, because there's a, a lack of positive identity uh, as much as anything, uh, uh, because we don't have that tribalism. There is no, they talk about modern, modern culture. I'm like, well, what is that? Uh, there is no culture really. Uh, it's just a series of kind of products, you know, whether entertainment products or whatever that we string together. And, and, and that's kind of, you know, TV shows and so forth are what we all have in common, but we don't have a, a shared identity. Uh, you know, we people have a bunch of mini identities that are, you know, flexible and you can do away with. And so, you know, like, that's what I mean by an empire of nothing. Like it's an empire without identity. Uh, you know, in the way that the Roman empire, you know, started in Rome. It's a, it's a Roman culture. And even though they assimilated a lot of different groups of people, they maintained that central culture. You knew you were a subject of Rome. 
and what, what it meant to be Roman. And uh, there was a Roman culture that went with that package. And uh, I feel like America, to a certain extent, I mean, that's what we what we share with the world, and that's 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 you know the wrong use of we for me, but uh, you know what 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 Americans share with the world is that uh, they you know it's just a consumer culture in many ways, uh, and it, it's it, I always say that it's a lot of uh, negative negative rights, like well we don't do this and we don't do that and we don't do that, but uh, and so it's like there is no one religion, there is no one culture, there is no one uh, single thing that can define it. Uh, and so it just becomes kind of this uh, thing that's very, very malleable and, and very uh, subject to consumer interests, as we talked about identity earlier. Um, you know, this culture that's spreading really isn't everything, anything. It just tries to be everything to everyone. And uh, to actually have an identity, to say like, you know, like the, the Italians or the, the French, uh, you know, to have a culture like that, you need to be separate because it can't just be everything in the way that a word to have a definition, it, uh, you know, to have a definition, a word has to be not something else. You know, it has to have a boundary. Yeah. Like a word can't mean everything or anything that you want it to mean. It's just, it means one thing. And, uh, you know, it, that's why, I mean, that's, what I'm getting at is nothing like we, if you can't say these people are in and these people are out, then you don't actually have a culture. You have just this growing kind of mass of, you know, human flesh, <laughs> the monoculture. So I mean, like yeah, exactly. when you, when you read your stuff, Jackson, you can get, you can get someone can get the impression that like, you're like against modern civilization completely. Right. But like, you know, modern civilization is allowing us to create, do Skype, do this conversation. Um, it's allowed both of us to get our writings out to people in a very unrestricted way and so on. So, I mean, is civilization all bad or like, so, I mean, what's the approach of a guy like who wants to sort of take this, you know, tribal mentality and like they want to have a group where they're not, they, they create a, a, a group culture that, that means something, but while still living in modern society and enjoying its benefits. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that's the point. I mean, you, you can't escape modern society. Uh, it'll find you with a drone. It's, it's a, there is nowhere to go. Uh, we have drones and satellites, and, and uh, I think I said in the book at some point, like, if you run off into the wilderness somewhere, there's really no guarantee that they're not going to set up condos, you know, a mile from where you set up your little Shangri-La where you hide from the world. Uh, there, there's no way to escape modernity. And uh, that's what a lot of people... You know, then say it's hypocritical. Oh, well, you use technology uh, or this and that. I'm, I'm not against technology. I mean, a bow and arrow is technology. Uh, we've always had technology. And I, and I wrote about this in The Way of Men a little bit. Uh, you know, masculinity has always been kind of in conflict with how much technology is too much, uh, how much technology makes us weak, and, uh, you know, how, how do we become too reliant on it? Um, and that's always a, you know, debate that men have had. But, uh, in terms of how much civilization is too much, I, I feel like, uh, you know, there's a sweet spot and I think we're far past it. I think uh, most people are, are far, far uh, past that sweet spot. Uh, you know, I think the, the government governments are far too intrusive and, and so forth. Um, and, and in order for that to change, it'll have to switch the other way. And, uh, you know, that'll be uncomfortable. Uh, but uh, in terms of, you know, you know, civilization itself isn't isn't always bad. Like I said, there's a sweet spot. Um, but uh, in terms of technology, I feel like you have to use the tools that you have to create the world that you want. And uh, you know, so you don't you can't be one of these guys who like, well, that's part of the modern world, so I won't touch that because it's always going to be very cherry picked anyway. I mean, everything you have comes to you from the modern world, unless you live on some homestead somewhere. And even that, you bought all the stuff that you started the homestead with from the modern world. There's no way to not do that. So it's it's kind of ridiculous. So what you need to do is choose what is important to you and what what you know has the values of your group, and then use these other tools that modernity offers and realize the way the world actually works, and use them to your advantage rather than to your disadvantage. You know, rather than uh, allowing you know people want to be pure of the the contagion of modernity. And, you know, that, that puts them at a disadvantage and then they just kind of like become hermits. Right. And, uh, you know, then they're just going to be another you know, hermit that's forgotten and no one cares about. 
Uh, so if you want to actually make an impact on the world and, and, you know, do something, make your, make your tribe glorious, uh, as, as we would say, uh, you know, you, you have to use the tools that are available to you. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, my skill set is very modern in some ways. I mean, I am really good at the Adobe suite <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, that's stuff that I, I can nerd out on a computer all day long. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, that's how I make my T-shirts. I mean, I am even like, you know, I'm against globalism and uh, people would say that this is hypocritical, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm for my tribe. And, uh, you know, because my tribe is what matters to me, um, you know, I, I don't care where my products come from. You know, like I'm going to get the best deal so I can put the most money back into my tribe. And uh, that's at the end of the day, I think that's what's most important to me uh, is, uh, is uh, helping those, you know, my tribe. To, to create the world that we want to live in and, you know, use the money to buy property and, and hang out. Right. <laughs> I mean, this sounds like very, like a very Amish approach. I think, you know, a lot of people have this misconception about the Amish, like they're completely anti-technology. They're not like they've incorporated modern technology into their, their culture, but like, they're just very intentional about it. Like they'll think about it a lot and say, will this negatively affect our way of life? If not, we'll use it. Um, and if it, you know, if there's a chance it could negatively affect our way of life, like they'll put like serious rules about how you use it. I mean, you don't have to get bonkers like it like that, but like, I think just being intentional, right? About- oh, that's, a, that's a great way to think about it. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it's like, is this, is this harming us or hurting us? You know, and, and, and so many, I mean, that's, that's, you know, the discussion about Facebook. I mean, uh, Facebook and social media, is this, is this good? Uh, is this, you know, is this making me a better person or that's why I like Instagram better, uh, but they're all by the same people. So <laughs> it's not like I'm, you know, you're not escaping uh, them. I'm, I'm not escaping them. I just uh, like this group and uh, this, this particular platform is, you know, better for me right now. And, you know, it kind of highlights the, the things that are, you know, fun and important to me that, you know, the culture that I'm kind of trying to spread in the world. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, you just make choices about what's, what's working for you and what's, you know, you know, what's working from a business perspective, what's working from, for a, a personal sp- perspective, what makes you a better person and, you know, what's dragging you down into cycles of emoting about things that don't matter and, and, and all, or, you know, like just hurting you in other ways. Right. Be intentional. Cause I think most people just don't even think about it. They're just like, Oh, everyone else is doing it. So I'll, I'll do it too. Yeah. 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 Like I was intentional about Snapchat. I, I, I looked at it and I tried it Yeah, and I tried, I'm like, how can I make this work for me? And I'm like, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I no. Uh, I'm like, this is stupid. I hate it. That's dude. So, that's, uh, that's how I felt. Like I tried it too. Everyone's like, yeah, get on Snapchat, Snapchat. So like, I got it. And like, I, I just, I feel weird. Like just like talking into the camera and I was like this now I can't do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, occasionally I could see a purpose for it and Instagram just stole their features anyway. So, right. uh, you know, <laughs> I guess I, 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 I'll use it in that way whenever possible. Whenever but, possible. Yeah. I tried that yeah. out and I still, I'm like, this is, this is kind of weird. I don't know something about it. It's weird. I yeah. can't, I can't put my finger on it. Anyways, that's a, that's a it's distraction. It's a little too reality TV for me. But, yeah, uh, right there. I, li- I like to know what I'm saying or why I'm doing it when I do it. But uh, I guess, I guess, you know, I should be more anti-fragile and, and embrace, <laughs> embrace the chaos. Embrace it. Um, so, I mean, there's, if there's a guy listening to this and they're like, yeah, you know, I, I have this itch for camaraderie, community, tribe, you know, having a gang. I mean, how do they go about it? I mean, like, what do they build a tribe around? I mean, is it an activity? Is it, or is it a set of ideals, faith? Um, you know, what do you build the tribe around? Well, I, I think, I think all of those things, I, a lot of people, uh, you know, and it's again, a very American way of thinking is that, uh, you know, it, you know, all those things don't matter. It's just whether we like each other and we're friends. Well, they kind of does. I mean, because when you talk about, you know, philosophy or religion, all those things have to, they determine what your idea of good is and how you're going to make decisions and what's important to you. So I think that you really have to find people who share those values or who are willing to say, okay, that that's fine. That's close enough. And, and that's a lot of what joining a tribe involves. I mean, you're going to have to say that's fine. That's close enough. It's not going to be perfect. Nothing's perfect. Uh, you know, you're just going to have to, you know, get involved and, you know, you know, if there's things that are slightly off, you either adjust to them or, you know, try and, you know, like, uh, you know, adapt to them in any way that you can. But, uh, you know, yeah, you got to look for people who have similar values. And, and a lot of people also, you got to avoid the little, you know, the mini kind of Hitler thing, you know, where you, know, you always have the guy who wants to be the leader real bad. And that's why he wants to have a tribe. 
is to be the leader. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the, he's, that's always going to be a bad leader. Right. Right. <laughs> and, uh, right. and, uh, so, I mean, you have to, you know, find people with the right skills to do the right job. And, uh, you know, the, you know, the people who want to be part of something and they want to create something, they have to commit to this kind of, this similar vision of what this tribe could be. And, uh, the other thing that the, the problem that they, they, they run into is that they try to, um, over plan, like what, what is our great society going to look like? And, uh, you know, you're going to hit a lot of bumps along the road <laughs> until you get to your magical society where everything is perfect. So, you know, you just have to kind of have a shared vision and, uh, you know, kind of like the same things. And, you know, as important as anything, it's like when we're looking at, at prospects, uh, you know, in my chapter out here, uh, we, uh, you know, it's like, do I like hanging out with this guy? That's also hugely important. It's like there are a lot of people that maybe share our values, but, you know, if, if you don't like them, then, you know, you're just going to not like them even more when they're, <laughs> when you're oath to them forever. Right. Uh, so, uh, you know, you have to actually, you know, like, you know, surround yourself with people whose company you enjoy as well, which is a big point. I think a lot of people try to force it too quick and, uh, you know, you can't, you don't make friends overnight. And, uh, so, you know, maybe you just have two or three friends that you just start your thing with and you don't try to start a group you know, that's a Dunbar's number yet, you know, you don't go out to 150 or whatever. Uh, you know, you just have to slowly build and, and build those friendships and, and, uh, decide what you want together. Uh, and you know, it's, it's, everybody wants to like, how can I, you know, sign up tomorrow or how can I, uh, you know, start this, you know, and, and have a tribe by next week. And you know, it's a lot of work. I can tell you, like, I, I, I think we, we talked earlier and I said, uh, you know, it takes, I, I, about five full days a month, uh, is probably what I put in right now to, uh, you know, run and to, you know, and, and talk, you know, and deal with the tribe and the logistics and what everybody needs and where everybody's going to be. And so-and-so lost their job and so-and-so just got a job and so-and-so just moved. And, you know, we have to help this guy. And, you know, there's a lot of work that is involved in being part of a tribe. So you have to be willing to do that work. And, and, uh, and it takes a lot of time. It doesn't happen overnight. And, uh, most people aren't going to have that kind of commitment. And if you find the people who do, um, you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool. Um, and it's so like, what do you, like, what do they do when they get together? I mean, it's just like they, I mean, you said like, don't base around just an activity, but like guys, like when they get together, they like to do stuff. Um, oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's super important. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, you know, I think we've probably both read most of the same books, uh, in a, you know, men bond, you know, when they're aggressing against something or, you know, creating something or building something, uh, you know, shoulder to shoulder. And, uh, I think that, uh, you know, creating a project like that, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's easy, you know, if you have some kind of training thing, like obviously like I've done a lot of tactical training and, and, uh, and so forth, although you don't want to say you're starting a militia cause that's kind of bad, but, uh, <laughs> that's kind of creates trouble. But, uh, you know, you, you know, you get together, you know, with your guys and, and work on some training things. Uh, you work on, uh, you know, uh, like, you know, learning some, some fighting skills, maybe. Um, I mean, a lot of what we've been doing, because we've had, you know, opportunity to, to construct some things on, on land and make the land better. A lot of us, you know, we're just, I get guys who will just show up and we'll work all day, you know, you know, putting down mulch or, or moving, we need a path over here. We need this, we need to create this so that when people come, they have somewhere to sit, you know, stuff like that. Uh, you know, that brings people together because they're all working together constantly and, you know, funny stuff, things happen when you work together and you react to each other in a, in a certain way. And I think that, that, that definitely helps, helps people bond. So, you know, it's not going to be the same. Like I said, that there is no template, but, uh, you know, if based on what your values are, what do you want to create? And, uh, you know, the, the more, I know uh, Paul Wagner always says, you know, you, you, need, you need land, you need a space, you need somewhere to go that isn't, uh, uh, that doesn't belong to somebody else, you know, and everything really belongs to something else. They belongs to the bank or the government really. But, uh, you know, as much as you can possibly own something in this world, um, it, you know, you need, you need to find a space and, and organize your resources in order to do that. And that's a project in itself. Right. So, uh, you know, it, you know, it's, for everybody's going to be different. Obviously a religious group is going to try and build some kind of church, uh, you know, we, we kind of have something similar going on with ours, but we also want a place where we can train and, and, and all kinds of things. So you have to you know, you find out what the priorities of your group are and, you know, start the project. And, and in many ways, that's going to be uh, the way you bond. What you don't want, and I think that the, this is a big pitfall with a lot of people, is that uh, it's really easy to start a drinking club. 
Right. And, uh, you know, and that can be part of it. I mean, that's men have been doing that for all of history and that's cool, but, uh, it has to be more than that. Otherwise you just have a drinking club, <laughs> you, know, right. you know, you just have the guys that you get drunk with and that's not really, um, you know, terribly productive in and of itself. Uh, so you need to have something beyond that, uh, to, to do, you know, together. Gotcha. All right. So I guess like the kind of summarize, like get started, just do something, little steps, expect it to be hard. You don't have to have the plan, the grand plan from the get go. It sort of develops organically, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So, I mean, okay, let's talk about this. So I, I think... I mean, I had Sebastian Younger on the podcast, he came out with his new book, Tribe, and you know, he talks about all these psychological, sociological benefits that come from being embedded in a tightly knit community. Like people are less crazy, uh, you're happier, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it's often easy too to overlook some of the downsides of being in a community. You kind of hit on this a little bit. You know, there's friction, there's going to be conflict, people annoy you. It's like family, right? Oh, yeah. Is absolutely like family. So, I mean, how do, uh, what's the best way? I mean, how do, I mean, how do you guys manage or like how should guys manage this friction effectively? Because like in most, if you belong to like some sort of group, like you, if you don't like it, you just, you bounce out. Like there's no commitment. So you just stop going. Um, so how do you, what do you do to ensure that doesn't happen? Well, you know, I mean, it's like a relationship. You have to want to be there, you know, I, and uh, you know, if you, if you all have the commitment that we're doing this thing, then you have to work out your problems. You know, you have to actually, you know, and then some, you know, some, something will come up and uh, someone does leave. I mean, it happens, but uh, you know, we've, you know, we've have guys that, you know, a lot, a lot of that, that's what I've done kind of a lot as a leader in our group is, is, uh, is kind of deal with conflicts, you know, like what are you like trying, you know, make everybody understand each other. Like these guys are getting kind of, you know, this, this guy is getting mad at this guy and I can see it. And, uh, so they're going to need to find some common ground here pretty quick or that's, they're going to have a problem. Uh, and, and that's a lot of what you have to do is, uh, kind of figure out, uh, manage those conflicts and, 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 uh, you know, find a way to be in it together. And then, like you said, it's the same as a family. I mean, you know, any, any family you're going to have like, well, you know, Uncle Bob's doing his thing again, right? But <laughs> so we're we're just gonna wait this out because it'll be it'll be done in a little while, and uh, you know everybody everybody has their thing. You know everybody has something that they do that's gonna annoy other people or something that you know people don't like about them. And so you know you just have to accept that not everyone's perfect and they're all gonna have their own little quirks and and kind of put it in in a bigger perspective. As long as that commitment's there. Uh, you know, you make it work. Like I said, it's a, you know, like a relationship or like a marriage. I mean, you have to have that commitment uh, to to the final, you know, the goal uh, to to belonging to that, that that relationship or that marriage or that that tribe. And uh, when you do, then you have to just find ways to work it out. And it's going to be different for everybody. But uh, you know, you have to be wary of you know conflicts before they get to the worst possible point. Right. All right. So take again, it takes work. This is not this is not for the faint of heart. No, no, no. I mean, it's like I said, it's, it's, it's at least a part-time job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Hey, Jack, this has been a great conversation. Where can people uh, get the book? Oh, uh, the new book, uh, just uh, on Amazon. And, uh, you know, I have, uh, occasionally I put up signed copies and, and uh, so forth through my, uh, my new uh, company. It's uh, called Brutal Co. Uh, Brutal Company. So brutalco.com. And, uh, you know, obviously jack-donovan.com is where, uh, you know, you find all kinds of news about what I'm doing. And since we talked about Instagram, uh, uh, it's, it's, uh, at start the world at start the world. Yeah. And you can see Jack's luscious garden backyard farm. He has. <laughs> it's like punching things, shooting things, gardening, gardening. <laughs> and then you were telling me earlier, you were canning earlier today. Yes. Yeah. 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 Maybe I'll put some pictures of canning up today. I don't know. All I, right. I just did a bunch of that. I mean, uh, you know, it's all part of the, you know, learning, you know, how the world really works. Right. Being self-sufficient. Well, Hey Jack, thanks so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. All right, man. Thanks. My guest today was Jack Donovan. He's the author of the books, The Way of Men and Becoming a Barbarian. They're available on amazon.com. Also check out the show notes at aom.is slash barbarian for links to resources. We can delve deeper into this topic.
Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. Our show is edited by Creative Audio Lab here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you need audio editing needs or audio production needs, check them out at creativeaudiolab.com. As always, I appreciate your continued support. And until next time, this is Brett McKay telling you to stay manly. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.